Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. We're continuing with the theme that I started four weeks ago, and that is Recipe for a Heart-Healthy Divorce. You've all heard me talk about prior to the last four episodes that there are two divorces. There's the emotional divorce and there is the legal divorce. Now, people don't think about it like this. People know that everybody's emotional, nervous, fearful, on the defensive when a divorce is about to begin. And that's because your life is changing and it's perfectly reasonable to 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 go through that. But I found that literally defining the first step being the emotional divorce all of a sudden framed the experience of grieving and loss. And then once that settles down, you can then file because you can't make legal decisions while you're emotional. I have found the perfect person to enter this conversation today to really help you understand why it's important to address the emotional divorce and then how to do it. So we have one of my favorite all-time people on this show, Patty McGuire. She is an emotion, emotional intelligence master and coach. And we now need to introduce emotional intelligence, Patty, into the landscape of this discussion. So thank you so much for making time for us today. Oh, my pleasure, Judy. I love uh, I love this topic, and it's always great to see you and discuss these things. We always get to some really beautiful um, conclusions, don't we? <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And when you started talking about emotional intelligence, I said, "Wait a minute! This is so necessary for the discussion of." this thing called the emotional divorce. And I know you've coached thousands of people and many of them have either been divorced in the middle of divorce and you've coached attorneys. And I think this is a very important piece to add to the discussion. So Patty, when people have decided to go through, to go to a divorce, you know, had the discussion, What do you think they should do as their first steps in dealing with their emotions? Yeah, first and foremost, recognize that you have them. Um, We can't push them to the side. They're there. And so I agree completely with your, um, your recipe in settling that emotional divorce first. And the most critical piece of that puzzle is grief. Grief must be felt and acknowledged because it's one of those that if you kick that can down the street, it's still attached to your leg, right? And it's going to come back. You're, you're not really kicking it away. And so the other component here, Judy, is that you have important decisions to make, right? And they're probably decisions you've never had to make before. So there's, there's that fear, there's the unknown. And when you are feeling a bunch of negative emotions, you are not in any kind of a decision-making mode. You have no vision 
no opportunities, nothing that you can see or hear in that moment that will help you resolve your problem. So the problem is on one, the emotions are on one level and the problem, the solution or possible solutions lie outside of the negative, right? Then the negative energetic, let's call it. Um, And also in settling your emotions first too, you can clearly set an intent uh, many people, and I'm sure you see this, um, they go by a, you know, cultural, societal belief of divorce that it has to be a battle. Yes. And right when you think in terms of that, yeah. it's, oh, okay, so I need to slaughter my opponent. And, and, and that's not a, that's not working towards a, a conclusion, right? That's not working towards resolution. And what you want is peaceful resolution as much as possible. And so, you know, this is why you, the taking, taking care of your emotions and the self-care must come first. It, it absolutely must, um, particularly if they're relying on their partner in the past for emotional support, right? Now, all of a sudden. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Now, all good of a sudden, point. they say, oh, it's just me. And, you know, I can tell you the good side of that that you can't see immediately is that they get to know themselves again. And that's where they get empowered. You know, Patty, you brought up something really interesting, and that is the language that's used uh, surrounding divorce. So you go from a marriage where it's good and bad, some, you know, quite often you, ha- you have your highs and lows and for whatever reason, they're, they're going to get divorced. Why do they go into battle mode? Why is the language about hurting? Mm-hmm. It is, um, I, I really believe it's a societal belief that when you hear it and repeat it, um, it becomes a, your own belief too. And what I'm sure you see this a lot too, is if you are facing a divorce for the first time or even a second time, whatever the case may be, who are you surrounding yourself with? Very important. Yeah. Are you calling the person that went through a horrific divorce, right? Where there wasn't great conflict resolution, where it was combative, because that's the experience they're going to share with you. And, and I refer to this as trauma bonding. And instead, I recommend look for the support group of people that said, oh, I never saw that this type of good could come out of it, right? Look, at the, look for the victory stories. Look for the people that say, okay, I can survive this. It's absolutely survivable. And and then those are the people you can share with and say, okay, what steps did you take? And so, yeah, step one is, you know, be aware of who are you surrounding yourself in this moment? And if you don't have the right person that's already in your life that can help you shed some light on it, that make your intention to be, I want to see the positive, have someone show, show shed some light on this for me. What can I look forward to, right? We got to give them something higher to value than the situation they're in. And just to give them some some optimism. And they'll find that you can still get empathy and support and sympathy. But from someone that is looking at it from a totally different perspective, the perspective and the intention is everything that sets the tone for the emotions and the outcome. And I know that you know this. 
Well said. I love what you said. That's great. I want to go back to what you said. Yeah. Um, Trauma bonding. Yes. Isn't that the case that people generally seek out other people that have had the worst divorce known to mankind and you may not need any of that information? Exactly. Every situation is unique, as you know. Um, Every relationship is unique. And, um, but the, and this is true in any traumatic experience, you know, the first thing that you want to do is say, okay, who, who am I surrounding myself with? And if you're perpetuating, you know, that uh, horrible feeling, you're in the rabbit hole. You're in the rabbit hole. And that becomes harder and harder to get out of because you're just repeating the, the, the negative aspect. And what you really want is you want that, where's the light side of this, right? And then more importantly, how can I get support right now? And what's going to be my day-to-day self-care? And it is. Self-care cannot be optional. No, you're so right. right. Grieving is self-care. Solving their emotional divorce is self-care. So it's got to be daily and not optional. And of course... The fourth ingredient in the recipe is self-care with laughter. I and I, I think, you know, you know, people's laughter and divorce, it's a must. That isn't even an option. You need to balance that energy with something with laughter. I, of course, chose goat yoga, but you can choose whatever you want. I love that. Okay, but you should surround yourself with people who have victory stories. I like what you said on, on that end, too. Find people who actually had good divorces. Yeah. And if they're calling, if you're joining a support group, make sure it's a support group and not an anchor. Mm. Right? Look at the tone, right? And support group that you're holding each other up, but not holding each other up through the negative commonality because that is that that does not help make progress. It may seem like it because it... Um, you know, that's why I call it trauma bonding. You don't, you want to, you want support and, and, and then hopefully some, some guidance or some, just some optimism. And like you said, and then they can find laughter in there where they hear people that have gone through it. And many times people have gone through worse than what they're going through. And then they go, wow, they're laughing about it now. And so, yeah, when you can get to the point where you, it doesn't define you anymore. Yes. Yes. You're right now you're healing. So how long has it been that you've been interested in emotional intelligence? When did that start? Great question. I became uh, obsessed with emotional intelligence when I started my real estate uh, company uh, because I saw um, a lot of different behaviors and, and quite honestly, a lot of fear, you know, people worrying about making sales and then the front and then the, um, that people go through trauma too when they're having to sell a property or if they're having to sell a property in a hurry. And I truthfully wanted to see the compassionate side of it. And I thought, well, how can I play this real estate game with compassion? Which I know is quite a, can be quite a challenge. You know, there's greed involved in the industry and so forth. And what really made, when I took a really deep dive was in lockdown during the pandemic, I said, okay, if you're going to put me in a cocoon, I'm going to master this. I'm obsessed with it. And so I just ate and drank and read and 
hired every coach I could hire um, for over 24 months, probably three years total. Um, and But I was actually practicing it and doing it. And I looked at it from a standpoint, Judy, of I wanted to help the people that went through, for example, a personal growth or personal development program and didn't get results. I wanted to know why they didn't get results. And when I kept digging and digging and I thought, okay, well, now what has worked for me? And that was how I brought together and and I've truly mastered it now. And I can really hear in someone's language within a minute of speaking to them. I can usually pick up if they're describing an issue in their life. I can pick it up from that, just from their language and say, okay, you're running a program. Here's your coping mechanism. And so, yeah. And I have a, you know, deep compassion for, um, uh, you know, people going through divorce um, because that is, it's a, it's a life changing event. Um, You know, it's even, it's, it's bigger than losing a job. um, Right. And uh, so it is there, there's a grief there and has to be addressed. So yeah, I, and then it just chose me. I, you know, the, the, the more I got into it and, and the more I, felt my own life just completely become into alignment and and you have a new way of looking at obstacles. I go, here's a learning opportunity. This happened for a reason and divorces happen for a reason and it is a learning opportunity. And it's also an opportunity for them to get to know themselves in a new way. And then they choose so differently. Yeah. They choose because you know why? They don't give their power away they're already whole. And then they look for a, um, you know, co, it's, it's really, it's a cooperative partnership where you have your own values and they have their own values and they don't need to be identical. It's that you can respect that and say, how can we co-create? That's what I was think the word I was thinking of is it's a co-creation then right so you have some common ground but then you also have the stuff that you're curious about okay what okay tell me more about why that interests you and you're not afraid to be you it's it's really it's a great opportunity to just and then own your own space and um, I recently saw Goldie Hawn speaking and it's interesting you know forever everybody people say to her why haven't you married Kurt and she said, I didn't have to. And they just took the approach of, you know, and she said, I wanted to always know I could take care of myself and have that. And, and that she chose it as an empowerment. And I think that's like beautiful, you know, and, um, and she stands by to this day and look at the beautiful relationship she's had, you know, and uh, I think a lot of the verbiage in marriage um gets interpreted in such a scary and final way, um, right? And that contributes. It's not not right right for everybody. It's absolutely not right. To the emotion, yeah. Well, I've also heard Goldie Hawn say, I like to get up each day and make the commitment to be with Kurt. Yeah. She wanted to make it a daily commitment. Yes, daily choice, a daily commitment. And that has really worked for her. And, you know, funny enough, uh, I've had enough cases in the past 11 years in my office where people have lived together without being married, 
They've had children without being married. And then all of a sudden they say, well, what are we doing? Why don't we get married? And two years later, they're in my office because marriage was not the right thing for them. It, it was almost like an imprisonment to them. It wasn't, didn't allow them to be free. And when they were free, they got along just fine. Yeah. Now, where's the emotional intelligence in that? In that, I'm glad you asked that. So it's it's their own belief system about what the marriage means and how you behave in a marriage. And so the only you typically the main example they have is probably from their own upbringing. And what happens is when we have these and I, they're false beliefs by the way, but that's their example and that became their belief system so when they change the dynamic from being free to what their perception of married is they started to act out and decide based on their own belief system. And if you can't see marriage as freedom, that has to be your, that has to be your perspective. You must be, if they had kept the freedom perspective, right? Then it wouldn't have changed, but they changed their perspective to whatever their, their own uh, belief was about marriage. And then that comes with expectations. And right. I've had clients say to me, well, my mother told me if I got married, everything would be okay. It it was like, you had to put in no other effort (laughs) that into your own life, into who you are. And, um, you know, and then she said, wow, that, that wasn't true. And I said, yeah, but you know, she did the best she could based on her beliefs. And so one of the things that I invite people to do, Judy, is challenge family beliefs. And you know how you know to challenge it? Because it doesn't feel good to you. If it doesn't feel good to you, it's not aligned with who you are as a human. And so, and we're all unique individuals. And it's like, challenge those And it's worth it to be uncomfortable for a few minutes in front of your family to say, I don't believe this. That's not how I'm going to live. And, you know, we're supposed to love unconditionally, which means we accept, okay, so you're different from me. So what's your interpretation? And, and, and then embrace that. And, you know, and hopefully, and hopefully that's inspirational for when you see people break out, it inspires others to do the same. You know, I have heard people say, uh, that going from, a long relationship, not being married, and then going into a marriage, they all of a sudden, and it's really what you just said, they all of a sudden fell into a pattern and an image of what their role was supposed to be as married when it's just a legal construct being married. It doesn't change the way you are and how you behave and what you say and all of that. But people do that to themselves. They become different people. Yeah, they. I would encourage anybody who's getting married to really dig deep and say, "What's my perception of marriage?" and discuss that with your with your future partner and say, "Hey, what is your perception?" And they'll find a lot of disconnect there, for sure. And then the 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 challenge is for them to be curious and say, "How can we maintain?" This unconditional love while married. And the, and, and the key is what you just said. Don't bring in any belief systems that don't belong there. And when you keep your ultimate goal as harmony or peace, like what do you desire for the relationship? 
And it can't be that you're looking for them to provide something you're missing. When you get into something you can lose or can be taken away, Judy, it's all fear-driven. And now you're now you're in an area where you can get stuck in a loop. And that's typically what happens. So anything that you fear can be lost or taken away or that you feel the other person is going to add to who you are as a person, automatically you've given your power away. Automatically. And and if you're not consciously aware of it, you now default to just giving your, you know, you hear people say, yes, dear, when they don't mean it, you're, that's giving your power away. And, and then they, they, the, you know, communication breaks down. Right. And then right. it's, you know, oh, I just don't want to upset the apple cart and, and so forth, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think the big thing is, you know, what is your perception of what it means? And then, right. And what demands are going to be made on me. Right. And what, and what am I expecting from you? And then turn it around to wait, how can we co-create together? without letting go one ounce, one ounce of who I am. Absolutely. So I love, I love that you said, what is, you know, what is your perception of marriage? That's what you should each be saying to one another. But can we also say, if there's a divorce about to happen, what is our perception of divorce? A thousand percent. Yes. So if harmony is the goal, your words, if harmony is the goal, a sit down about what this looks like. What does divorce look like done harmoniously? Yeah, yeah. So is this really what emotional intelligence is? I was going to ask you as the next question. Yeah. So what is emotional yeah. intelligence? Well, I will give you my definition, and this has been my realization personally in my life. For me, it was number one, really defining my core values. What really, what are the things that bring me joy? Who am I as a person? And then understanding your emotions, understanding what, okay, why did I get triggered? There's information in every emotional trigger. And then you can self-heal from there. When you become aware of what's triggering you, then you can self-heal. I don't, heal people. I teach them how to heal themselves. And then I guide them to discovering deeper and deeper. It's basically a hello. I'm introducing you back to yourself, to your true self. What happens is layers of fear alters the personality and the actions and the decisions. So for me, emotional intelligence is self acute self-awareness, being aware of emotional triggers and that those are information that teach you how you're, what coping mechanism you're using to avoid looking at a particular right emotion that's negative. And then from there, learning empathy. Mm. And empathy is huge. Yeah. And, and, and then integrating it. And, but the, the self awareness is the, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle um, I, I have found. And it's so powerful. And for me, here's my definition of fear. Really what I do is how I help people unlearn the fear. That's So fear brings you information that you need in order to be more of yourself. Say that again. Fear brings you information that you need in order to be more 
of yourself. Okay. This is perfect for divorce, is it not? Yes. So there's the fear of the unknown. You have no idea what's going to happen, how people are going to change and all of that. So in order to deal with that fear, some, some strategies, please. Yes. Step one, question your belief system. Question your belief system. Like the client I told you about earlier that said, well, my mother said I'd be fine if I got married. And I said to her, did you really believe that in your heart? Well, when she thought about it, she said, no, it seemed too fairy tale. Exactly. So the first step is question your belief systems. And here's the thing. The uh, knee-jerk response is it's something outside of you. It's how they treated me, right? And that that's not where you're going to find the answer. When you're talking about your own fear, you've got to look inside. And so inside is one, what are my belief systems? And then question those. And then that in that query is where you start to get to know yourself again and say, hmm, I really, that's not really who I am. And then you can have a curiosity and say, okay, who am I really? Right. And, you know, when conversely, if you identify with the fear, you're becoming more of a stranger to yourself. Can we do an example of that? Can you give us an example of somebody who would identify? identify with the fear. Uh, my children are going to be taken away. Uh, I, 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 I have to have them more than half the time. Uh, he or she is going to take me for everything. Yeah. These are divorce fears. Yeah. Yeah. So for my immediate advice would be giving them tools to stay present because mm-hmm. what happens is, so the fear-based mind only can live in the past or the future. It is not present. And this is where, when you mentioned laughter, laughter is critical because when you're laughing, you're present. So you're right. it's a powerful tool, right? Yeah. So is, and, and I, I have clients, as you know, who've been through divorces and had to deal with these exact issues. And I get them to just constantly give them the tools to, to be present and stop projecting forward because they don't have any fact to back up. They, the fear is giving them the worst case scenario. You're going to lose the children. I'm going to lose money. I'm going, right? And instead, stay in the moment. And I remind them that it's a process that's being, a judge is going to decide. A lot of them think, oh no, they have all the power. They have all this power over me. They have the money. And, they, and oh. right? And they, yeah, they, they, take, they, they take on. So it's really getting your mind to a quiet place, and that is a daily practice. Get your mind to a, to a, to a calm place and then practice. And there's different techniques that can help you become present and catch yourself. This is the emotional intelligence. Catch yourself when you're going down that rabbit hole. Oh no, I'm projecting something that's completely false. It's unknown. It's unknown, right? And so... What do I have control over right now? And there always are things you're in control of. And sometimes it's reinforcing that. And Judy, this may sound really, this always sounds trite, I think, to some people, especially if they're in a crisis at first, but I say, get into gratitude. You do say that. You have not lost everything. 
you have to go to, what do I have? I have my health. I have this. And that's how you build. That's how you start rebuilding. Gratitude for what you have. Don't look at the lack and don't look at what you could lose. What do I have? And and by being in the gratitude in the moment when you're in gratitude, you can't be in fear. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a process. It's a process, in the, but the awareness of where, what part of your mind you're in is the key to healing quicker. So should people study this, Patty? Do you think it would be worth understanding how the brain works or is that too much yeah. for people who are in fear mode? Well, it's a great question. There are so many different methods of learning this. And what I've done is I wanted to simplify it so anyone could learn it. Um, you know, there's there's a psychology point of view. There's right, there's all kinds of specialists um, that have scientific backed um, right. practices. But for to answer your question, I think every human alive should embrace learning and learning about um, enhancing your emotional intelligence, mainly because what you're doing is, again, you're getting to know who you truly are with no fear, with, with no fear and saying, okay. And from there, you get aligned with your purpose. You align yourself with other people who are complementary to your to your purpose and who you are. And think about that. When you're doing that and you're living honestly and truthfully to you, you're authentically yourself. How is conflict, right? Conflict is nothing. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Somebody felt differently for me. Now I'm curious. Okay. If I upset you, I don't go into defense mode. Say, oh, okay. I need to understand their emotions better. And it just changes the whole dynamic about how humans communicate. I think everybody should learn it however they can take it in and whatever way resonates with them. It's a critical skill. Yes. The only um, thing I'm going to add to that, because well said, is there's a part of our brain that goes right into fight or flight. And that's when we feel out of control. Um, a major change has happened. We don't understand it. It, 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 you know, and so everything works over time and quickly. And we stay in that fear based fight or flight part of our brain. So moving people out of that space, calming them down, having them just focus on the present moment. And then we could throw in a little bit of logic, like the laws of the state will dictate what happens in the settlement. It doesn't matter what your spouse is saying to you. Exactly. And Judy, something as simple as that, though, when you're in fear and spinning out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't compute. It doesn't land, right? But then when you get the motion under control and recognize that now you can hear that and that becomes power because many times one party feels like the other party has quote unquote more control over them and they forget that no, there are laws in place and they're not the decision maker. And because you're reacting to everything they say, an experienced judge will not have the same impact. They hear this day and day, that's their area of expertise. And so it's really, it's giving them a higher perspective out of that fear gap getting them to rise their vision above the whole thing and then look down on it and go, okay, now, right? And so it's elevating your perspective out of fear 
Because when you elevate the perspective out of fear, now you see what, okay, this is a fact that I can accept. And that, right, that squashes, right, the fear. And then, and, and, and again, you, you start to question your own belief systems about the process. And, um, and, and many times, um, they gain an understanding of their ex spouse too. And they're able to actually get to a point where they have compassion because they recognize, okay, they were on a journey, didn't do this work. And so that really was the best they could do given the tools they have. Yes. And for them to say, I'll take you for everything. I'll even take it. They're in fear mode. That's what people don't understand. The one that's listening to this doesn't get, well, that's, they're speaking out of fear. Nobody talks like that. I'll take you for everything. Come on. You know, but they're talking out of fear. And so it's fear talking to fear. Exactly. And you can't, that's what I call the tug of war. Don't pick up the rope. Yes. If you don't pick up the rope, they can throw it. Don't pick up the rope. What can you do to take care of you? What's your priority for you? And yeah. 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 Okay. Very very nicely said. Um, I want to tackle one more area and that is if you have to be represented by an attorney, first of all, I say everybody should seek attorney advice. Everybody, 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 uh, even if this is the most amicable divorce known to mankind, find out the law. Just be knowledgeable. Because there's a law involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, but if you believe, uh, think that you have to be, each of you really needs an uh, an attorney for whatever reason, it's, it's a more complicated case. When do you start the legal process and engage the attorney? Oh, I love this question. After you address your own grief and emotions. Lawyers are not counselors or therapists. And as experienced as they are, their expertise is in law. And here's another thing, particularly if they're concerned about the money, their budget. The lawyer has to charge you for their time. And I hear this from lawyers and, you know, I've coached lawyers um, where they'll say to me, Patty, I have a client and they want to send them to me. They'll say, I have a client. She's in tears for 45 minutes. And, and then I can barely get in the legal part she needs to hear. And I know it didn't land because, you know, and he's, and he says, I keep telling her, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a therapist or a counselor. And he said, I kept certainly am being compassionate and sympathetic. Um, but yeah, I think step one is go through the grieving process and really start to learn how to understand and manage your own emotions. Because again, you get out of that, you have to pull yourself out of that fear and out of the, what I call, it's a closed circuit of fear. Fear is a closed circuit when you're in it. And to break out of it, you must change your perspective and look for a higher perspective. And in doing that, you have to get your emotions. I don't want to say get them under control. It's acknowledge them and feel them and then understand them and understand your behavior when you get triggered. That's the key. When a trigger comes up, okay, what's the core cause of this? And when you see that, you acknowledge it, you self-heal it. Okay, something very interesting you just said. 
I don't want to use the word control in terms of controlling the emotions. I like that because what I'm getting is there's still fear in that. If you're trying to control your emotions, there's still fear as opposed to what you said earlier. And that is understand the emotions as they come up and know how to move through them, with them, around them, however you have to address them, right? Exactly. And I can give you an analogy here, Judy, that I think will help. And yet, and control, by the way, is a coping mechanism, which is suppression, <laughs> right? So if you're, if you think you're controlling your emotions, usually they're, they're, they're suppressing, avoiding, right? So that's just a coping right. mechanism, which means it's going to keep tapping you on the shoulder saying, you did not acknowledge me. When we leave emotions unchecked, they, they tap, tap, tap. Hi, I'm still here. So here's my analogy for this. Think of each negative emotion as a small child that is crying out for help or needs comforting after falling down. You don't yell at them and say, why did you fall down, right? Or why are you crying, you, you, right? No, it requires you acknowledge, acknowledge, give empathy and compassion and be aware and then just, and, and, and it's self-love at the end of the day. So it's, okay, this came up I need to just acknowledge it. You can feel it and acknowledge it. And then there's always a another, there's always another uh, piece that's attached that is what's instigating this emotion being brought up. And when you start to do this work and you get triggered, um, you actually do have the, we all have the ability to recall what it is, what the initial um, life experience was that's coming back in. Because when we don't acknowledge it, it'll just keep coming back in in different areas of your life until you acknowledge it. So yeah, when you feel something, you go, it's your inner child. And then just how would you treat a a child who is scared? And that is, when you do that, that's the self-healing. God, that's really nice. I like that. I really, really like that. So in conclusion, what can we say to, you've said it, but let's just, let's end with a little two or three step process. Uh, The divorce talk has happened or it's about to happen. That's a fearful time, isn't it? One person is thinking about how they're going to introduce that to their spouse. I mean, that's fear. Okay. so the divorce talk is happening and both people are starting to experience fear so that we can use emotional intelligence to approach divorce in a much different way than it's been done in the past. Can we do two or three steps to end this uh, discussion? Sure. Uh, first and foremost, find a positive support system in some way for yourself. And disconnect from any timelines, any demands from attorneys, any demands from your from your soon to be ex for I need to know, you know, details. And literally put yourself in that self care cocoon of know what I'm going to dive into. I have to take care of me now. You've got to triage yourself and your emotions first, and get a positive support system. Don't fall into trauma bonding because that will drag your process out. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and allow yourself to grieve. And then start practicing that that self-awareness. And and it's, it's a great time to do this work. You can journal. Okay, that triggered. Start to pay attention to the things that they're saying to you that are triggering you. Don't respond because it's going to be a reaction and not a true response. So, and you just say, you know what? Thank you for sharing that. I need to digest it. I'm working on myself. I need to digest it and just, right? Receive the information and then start to journal what the triggers are because the answer to your healing is in those triggers. And then you can have gratitude and say, okay, I'm so glad I felt this because now I can heal this and it's not going to happen to me anymore when I heal it. Okay. Those were three excellent points. Within, I think it was point two, don't let anybody push you. Um, I've said in, in terms of settling the emotional divorce before filing, let people know that you're in a self-healing mode right now. You're not trying to resist the divorce in order to participate in it well and make good, sound legal decisions. You need time to heal. Now, I know it's difficult to project a time. And you don't want to appear to be manipulating the situation by time. But this is a very real situation that both people need to take advantage of. They need to heal. Um, So just if you could just address that little piece, because it came with point two about time. How do they communicate the time that they need to be ready for the legal? Yeah, that's a great question, Judy. And uh, it kind of, it depends on where the, the, the individual is at. But with that said, anyone doing the right amount of uh, work on themselves with regard to their emotions, you can quickly shift. Um, you, you can shift the, the mindset to where you at least can calm the mind, right? We know they're not going to go from, you know, you can't put a happy sticker on an empty gas tank, right? It's not going to make the car go. But you can just get to a point of acceptance. That's the key. Yes. It's, let me get to an acceptance that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that acceptance that it's happening. It's big. From there... And, you know, I would say to someone, you know, as long as they're seeking some kind of support immediately too, you can't just push pause and then do nothing, right? Yeah. Because now you're just, you know, paralyzed in fear still, right? Mm-hmm. So you can say, you know what, I'm going to seek some guidance. And it's, I think it's okay to say and say, I'm seeking guidance for myself first. And have them ask the person who they're seeking guidance from. Okay, based on what you've heard about me as a professional, what you know, what timeline can I give? Let somebody else answer oh, that for you. I would let okay. someone else answer that for you. Um, and um, at the at the end of the day, you're it, it's it's two parties, um, and we we both know we've seen people. What happens is, by the way, if you don't address this in the beginning. It becomes an issue in the middle of the divorce process because people end up having to pause to now go address their emotions. And then now it's a lot costlier because you've run up legal bills 
um, right? And you've tied up the court system. And then now this is affecting the judge's opinion of the case too, because they don't like the kicking the can down the road either, right? For no no reason. Um, right. So yeah, it's, um, I think, seek the support um, especially, um, especially if there's children, cause we know that's, you know, now uh, that's another aspect, right? But at the end of the day, you need to treat you holistically first. And if you're not sure what that timeline looks like, and you do need to respond to, for example, legally, um, mm-hmm. then I would say, you know, and then go back and say, listen, I consulted a professional who's helping me. And this was there based on what our initial meeting, this is this is the recommended time. But realistically, you can, within a few weeks, you can definitely make significant progress in um, in managing your emotions. And, and by saying managing, I don't mean controlling. I mean, truly managing them, becoming aware. As of they come up. Yep. And then, and, and turning that into an empowerment, getting your power back. Um, when you mentioned a judge, we're going into conclusion here. When you, when you mentioned a judge, I always have to tell this story because the judges are in control, right? If you end up in the courtroom because nobody's calmed down, nobody's intelligently addressed their emotions so that we can make some decent decisions. Uh, so there's this judge, Terry Crone, Indiana. And uh, he's quoted as saying, when I get litigants who are arguing in my courtroom, it's always over the velvet Elvis painting, metaphorically. And it's never about the velvet Elvis painting. It's always about the hurt that hasn't been healed before they get to the courtroom to be to have a legal perspective on this. So yes, there are some judges that actually do understand that you cannot make decisions. They don't even want to participate in making decisions for you if you're so emotional that you're probably not even representing yourself properly. Exactly. You know, you can't even do that. Patty, you, you're always delightful. I just love listening to you talk and I always feel very positive when we're done. Now, Thank even you. though your information is going to be in the show notes, yeah. for those who like to jot things down as they're listening, how do people get in touch with you? Sure, super. Um, so my website is an easy one to remember, thepositivityinfluencer.com and my company's Positivity Influencer Coaching. And um, I'm easily found in, you know, all social media platforms. And I love doing your show, Judy. Thank you so much. This was a really important and um, productive conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Wonderful. So yes, Patty McGuire has been the positivity influencer coach for many years. And she's brought on to her value and knowledge in the emotional intelligence master and coach programs that she teaches and coaching one-on-one that she teaches. And I could not recommend her more only because, well, you've heard her. I mean, what do I have to say? I don't have to say anything. You've heard the woman talk. And um, I, I think in short order, she can help turn you around. So thank you, Patty, for the time you've given to us. My pleasure. Thank you, Judy. And thank all of you for listening. Uh, You can reach me through my website with any 
comments about today's episode, new topics that you would like me to approach, please shout out to your friends uh, that we have this forum that we uh, present to you, Amicable Divorces. If you haven't subscribed, this is the first time you're listening, please do that. But as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.